Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that's my amazing wife Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and this is our attempt to get the other person onto our side with the latest news in both books and sports. Today's episode is the sports episode. It's my turn for the persuasion. And to talk forever. Oh yeah. A lot of things happening this week, particularly in her favorite subject of the sports broadcast. This is not my favorite time of the year for hockey. Well, I mean, it (laughs) normally is, but the off season is not my favorite part of hockey. And normally I just sort of close my eyes, stick my fingers in my ears and hum until it's all over. The infamous la 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 la. And I just, I can't close my eyes and think of England this year. I have to actually pay attention. Yeah. But I guess we'll start with the NHL draft, which happened early in the week last week. Yep. The top two picks that my team did, we got a second round pick from some other team, I think, if I remember correctly. part of your trade, I think, for Murray, wasn't it? I don't remember. But we picked up a goalie in both of our first two picks. First, we picked Joel Blomquist in the second round, pick 21 of that round. And then we picked up Cal Klang, who's also a goalie in the third round, pick 15 of that round. And then in rounds four, five, and six, we picked three forwards. So it seems like our number one concern is the goalie position. Which is really weird considering you just signed more or less the guy of the future of the organization, Tristan Jari, to a long-term contract, so. I mean, I think they are realizing that what's happening is we just keep pulling the backups into the position and we need to figure out something better than that. I guess that kind of makes sense, but it's never a bad thing to have goalie depth, I guess. There was a conversation I was watching the other day on the NHL NHL Network where they basically were just saying, goalies, if you don't have a good goalie, no matter how good your offense and defense is, you're never winning a Stanley Cup. Right, that's correct. And so, you know, I guess a goalie is not a bad thing to pick, obviously. We didn't go with a goalie with our first pick, but we also had a pick in the first round, which seemed pretty loaded full of uh, forwards and defensemen and one goalie picked in the first round itself. So we picked... Uh, Lucas Reichel. He is a forward out of uh, Germany. We played against him in the, one of the preseason matches last year when the Blackhawks were overseas in mm-hmm. uh, Europe playing a couple games in Prague and in, I believe it was Berlin. But he really wowed, I guess, Stan Bowman while they were over there. So um, Stan Bowman's literally quoted stating that when I first saw him, he looked like a 17-year-old playing amongst men. So like he was definitely not going to be one of the NHL draft picks, but he goes, throughout the year I kept checking in on him because he seemed like he had that natural talent that if you build up a little body strength, this dude could be an NHL contender. And as the year went along, he goes, he got sharper and sharper and sharper. And he goes, we have a great physical training program, so like I can get that guy built you know, right. to play hockey. Where he needs to be. And if he has that natural talent and that hockey IQ, which this kid really does have, he could be a really exciting player for us. So Right. And then in the second round, you also picked up a goalie. I was going to say, yes, you picked a goalie. Uh, Drew Comesso, he's out of the U.S. national team uh, program. So Okay. Yeah. But overall, we ended up picking four defensemen, three forwards, and one goalie in the draft. With picks in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And we had two in one of those as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I think the other noteworthy ones from the draft, because we're not going to break down all of the draft, because that would, be would here take like, forever. We'd be here the literally 80 hours that the draft actually happened, it seems. Well, there's a lot of downtime with the draft, and you and I talked about that while we were watching the first, the first round. Night, yeah. But as expected, Alexis Lafreniere is a forward who got picked first, and I said that I thought he was pretty tall, but then the guy who got picked after him is taller than him, so maybe they just build forwards taller these days. I thought they were supposed to be slightly smaller with, like, an oomph in their speed, Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be that anymore. You can have both, so, like, obviously we took Kirby Dock in the first round last year, and by no means is he a little man by any standard, you know, whereas a lot of these kids are getting drafted and... They look like children, but like Kirby Doc had the body of a man and a face of a child, so it was just very confusing. Yeah. But as you were referencing the second pick, Quinton Byfield was picked by the Los Angeles Kings, making him the highest picked African player in the history of the NHL. So And you don't mean his height. No. But also his height. He's pretty tall. What is he, 6'4"? Uh something like that, yeah. But I thought goalies were supposed to be six four. That was yeah. ridiculous. Yes. It's pretty cool. He got a lot of congratulations from other black players in the NHL, congratulating him on, you know, taking that step to the next level and kind of moving acceptance to black and African-American players in the NHL to a better standard. So, But I thought the number three pick was kind of cool. It was actually picked by Alex Trebek for the Senators. Yeah, Uh, because he's Canadian. That was kind of weird. Honestly, when I first saw it, I was like, what is Alex Trebek doing making a pick in the NHL draft? Because normally, like, first picks go to, like, players and like to have retired from the organizations and things like that. So it was a little strange to say the least. I won't go into a tirade about my whole feeling about all the pomp and circumstance of the first round because it's just a waste of time. Both on this podcast and watching the actual draft is just a waste of time. Yeah, there there definitely was a lot. Obviously, I know that when we were putting our notes together, we both had kind of different opinions on how far we were going to dive into this, and I'm kind of glad we agreed upon the short list because I had through the top 10, and I also had notes on each of the individual players, and we would have been here at least an hour just to cover the top 10. So, yeah. And um, it's forwards all the way through the top five, right? Yes and no. So there was one one defenseman. Jake Sanderson oh, okay. was picked by the centers in spot five, but otherwise, yes, all forwards. Okay, so who's four? Uh, four was Red Wings. They picked Lucas Raymond. So they more or less ended up being like two defensemen. The rest were forwards in the top 10. Pick 11 was the first goalie. I don't know if you had information on that. I don't have his name. Or the first like goalie of this draft was Iroslav Oskarov from Russia by the Preds at pick 11. Which was a shocker to me because I, I get it. Pecorino is probably not going to be sharp forever anymore. But at the same time, it's just like... I don't know why you really needed another goalie because you technically have a good backup that's pretty much ready to be a starter as well. So I didn't know that they were looking for a goalie, but I mean, a lot of teams are right now. And if you can play the older sibling, I'm going to take him so you can't have him sort of thing, then that's a good line of thought, I guess. It was kind of a bummer. I was hoping he'd slide down especially considering the goalie situation that has only gotten worse through the week, which we'll discuss later. But you guys didn't even pick another goalie until a second round, and it was you guys with the Chicago Blackhawks picking up Drew Camesso at 46th overall. So there's 35 picks in there where there were no goalies in between the first two. Yeah. And I felt like you guys might have picked one in the first round, 
but you waited until the second round for some reason. So when it came to the goalies being selected, it was few and far between this year in the draft. I think it was more offensive and defensive prowess that were in the draft this year, at least in the first round. Because if I remember correctly, he is the only goalie that was drafted in the first round. If, yes, because so. like I said, there are no other goalies that got yeah. picked between the 11th which, and the 46th. Which is why I think the Blackhawks probably waited to their second round pick. They figured, you know, this guy's going to drop that far at least. For crying out loud, the goalie that got picked was supposed to go in the top six and he slipped all the way to 11 so like it seemed like well but you only need to get him to the 12th pick right and then you guys would have uh it would have been to the 16th pick okay so a little bit more yeah and i'll be honest i was on the edge of my seat seeing him just go down another spot another spot another spot um i remember you're watching the draft with you and going like man it'd be so great if he makes it all the way to, to our pick and he didn't so but that's about all the draft information i have i really tried to stay off the subject after we kind of talked it over right but we also had free agency open up this week which is a lot did you want to start with the trades or did you want to start with signings i'm going with signings first i've got my team's information so we've basically done goalie and then the rest are forwards and they all have roughly the same contract which is weird So we picked up Ford Evan Rodriguez to a one-year contract, which will run through the 2021 season with an annual value of 700,000. So 700,000 is the contract. And then we picked up forward Josh Curie to a one-year contract, runs through the same time frame with the same annual value of 700,000. We picked up forward Frederick Gadrier and goalie Maxime Lagasse to one-year contracts. They both have two-way deals, though, and it runs through the same time frame, 2021 season, with the same annual value of 700000 So that's all I have for our free agency picks as of last night. Free agency picks are just pure signings because you also had Sam Lafferty yesterday to a two-year $1.5 contract as well. He was technically re-signed, right? Yep. He wasn't up for free agency, right. as far as I could tell. The, he was an RFA. He was signed before that technically opened, before free agency opened, yep. from what I read. And so we re-signed forward Sam Lafferty to a two-year contract running through the 21-22 season with an annual value of $750,000. So he got a little bump over all the other players that were getting signed in the past week. Rightfully so, as the guy that's been called up and down so often from Wilkes-Barre right, has been yeah. probably one of your best performers out of that, that role. I mean, and this is what gives us our depth. Like, we had Evan Rodriguez roughly in the same position where he was up and down and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then we're picking up some other people who I haven't even heard of before. So we're trying to get to the point where no matter what happens this next season, we'll have the depth. Right. But I don't know about what your team's done with free agency. Free agency, we haven't really done too much. Um, That's probably why I couldn't find anything yesterday. Yeah, and and it's causing a little bit of an uproar amongst the team. But we signed really nobody out of free agency. Predominantly, we we just signed our guys back that were RFAs or UFAs. And I'll cover that when we go into the goalie situation a little bit. The big one for us, obviously, was re-signing Kubalik. Two years, $7.4 million, uh, not counting bonus opportunity. So based on the performance of the organization and himself as a player, he has opportunity to bonus a little bit as well on top of that. So I'm kind of shocked that we offered him such a short-term contract, especially the way he's playing. I think the organization right now 
and for that matter, a lot of the NHL isn't really taking big risk, long contracts. Like going through all the list of all the players that were signed during free agency, there were a few like long-term five, six years, but for the most part, they were like three or under when yeah. it came to contracts. Well, I think it's because a lot of the longer term contracts haven't been paying off in the past two or three seasons. So I think no one's ready to dive back into that. Right. But when it comes to other signings that had happened during the week, you had Blue Jackets sign Miko Koivu, which we were both saying we're not sure he's even going to get a contract. But Columbus signed him to a one-year $1.5 million contract. Again, short Short term. term. Good money, though. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some good money. Again, I mostly have goalie signings because it's the year of the goalie, it seems, for the most part. So Well, they were flooding the market with them. I'm not surprised. I figured I would save that for a minute, though, because a lot of the trades had to do with goalies and things like that. So okay. this way we kind of know why they're being signed by the teams they're being signed by. Well, Paul Stastny was traded to the Winnipeg Jets by the Vegas Golden Knights on Friday for Carl Dahlstrom. Yeah. And a conditional fourth round pick in the 2022 draft. 100% a cap move. It's kind of a bummer because Paul Statsny is a pretty darn good player, but uh, Carl Dahlstrom by no means is not a good player either. He's just younger and can take a less cap hit for their team. So Right. And I don't know if that's a sign of them trying to make room for keeping Flurry or making sense to keep Flurry. Obviously, there's still a lot of stuff going around the Golden Knights and whether they're going to keep Flower or not. Trade talks are actively happening based on what I'm hearing, so. It's just probably going to come down to the wire with him, which is too bad, but I don't know. Well, he's still got two years on his contract, and I think that's the big thing that's really holding people back. It's such a large contract, so if they do move him, realistically, whoever trades for him will require the Golden Knights to keep selling his contract. Like, it just, he's a good goalie. He's not worth the current pay that he's receiving, in in my opinion, honestly. And I know that's hard for you to hear because he's, you know, your ex-goalie, but at the same time, it's realistic. Speaking about goalies being traded, the Penguins traded Matt Murray early on in the week to the Senators for prospect Jonathan Gruden and a 2020 second round pick, which was your second round pick, obviously, that you picked up. So Yeah, I just, I think the Senators are trying to bulk up their team and get a lot of good players while they can, and I think they might be scary later on. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. They they definitely are kind of becoming the Florida Panthers the way the Florida Panthers should have been, but I think they're going to actually be a contender this year. They have an amazing starting goalie. They solidified their first two defensive line pairs. They went out and got some forward talent in the draft as well as in some trades. So uh, the Senators might not be the laughingstock of the NHL for once in more recent years. I don't know that next season's going to be the one. I don't think there's going to be enough time to get everyone to mesh before the next season starts, per se, because you have holidays coming up that are going to factor into their downtime. Yeah. So, we'll see. But yeah, I, I really do think the Sens have a chance. We'll see what ends up coming of it. I'm excited to see. I always like those from rags to riches style teams that just kind of come out of nowhere and win a lot of games. So uh, Unless it's my team, I don't improve. <laughs> Your team has always been part of the riches more or less in the recent years. So I mean, the years we've won the Stanley Cup, it's only been because of the depth that we have. Because yeah. we're always sick. We're always injured. There's always something going wrong. So I wouldn't put us in the riches category per se. But I have another thing coming from the Winnipeg Jets, and it's that Brian Little isn't going to be playing for them this season, according to their GM, Kevin 
Shevoldayoff. Yeah, I was going to try to pronounce that name, but I'm glad you took that one. <laughs> You're welcome. He announced on Friday that he's probably not going to play. And this is mostly a medical team decision rather than him or the player. They didn't really go into depth, did they, in the articles that I read anyways about why he was taking the medical Well, let me fill you in. Okay. So, at age 32, the center was limited to seven games this past season after getting multiple concussions in the preseason. And then he got a puck to the side of the head in early November. I think it was November 5th. And he was in the process of trying to return to the lineup when medical suggested that he has a surgery to repair a perforated eardrum. So he had that. And then medical is saying that they don't think he should play this season. And I think it's related to all the eardrum head issues, but it doesn't actually say that that's the reason. Right. And then we'll get on the fun topic of the Blackhawks trades a little bit. I've got two of them. Yesterday was the the big one. We're sending off uh, Brandon Saad again. Poor guy. (laughs) I made a tweet about it last night. It just seems like more or less every time we send him away, he comes back. He's kind of like that lost dog that disappears for a few years and then just reappears back with the team again. Your relationship with dogs is not normal. Yeah. But like you've heard those stories in the news where like the dog runs away and then comes back five or six years later and just reappears. And everybody's like, oh my God, he remembers us. Yeah. Kind of that situation, I feel like. (laughs) But the Avalanche traded Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm to the Blackhawks for Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert. I'm also sad to see Dennis Gilbert go. I don't know if you remember, but I really was rooting that little kid on when he was coming up from the AHL this year. He just brought an energy that reminded me a lot of like a young Andrew Shaw, just ready to hit anybody and anybody, anybody and everybody for that matter, no matter how much bigger they were than him or how much they're known as an enforcer. He didn't care. He was just that guy that brought that exciting energy to the ice. It's sad to see him go. I don't really know a lot about Zadaroff or Lindholm. Well, you do hear Lindholm's name frequently, so I mean... There's multiple Lindholms, though, in the NHL, so that could be why. That might be why I recognize the name. It might not be. Maybe he is the one I'm thinking of. I don't know. (laughs) But... Again, I really didn't follow the Avalanche that closely until the playoff period of time. So They it, were looking pretty good. Yeah, the D looked all right for the most part. So we'll see what happens. I'm always the guy that preaches. The GM probably has the right idea in mind, but I sometimes question it with Bowman far too often. You're not the only one questioning him at this point. Yeah. It sounds like your team is not too happy with the way this offseason is going. And speaking of that, also the Blackhawks traded Ole Mata to the Kings for forward Brad Ooh. Morrison. Hiss. That 100% was a cap move. Ole Mata played well, but not what to the level that I think was expected. And I think that's D- fair to say. Don't talk down about Holy Ole. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love him. He, he wasn't performing to the level that we had hoped. He is my hockey man-child. Yeah. You well, better be nice. He's part of the Los Angeles Kings now, one of the teams you hate. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, I hate a lot of teams. So if um, he was bound to end up with one of them, I don't like. Brad Morrison, a little younger player. I'm kind of excited to see what he brings to the organization. He's, again, one of those guys that can just bring a little bit of offense out of nowhere. So it should be exciting. Yeah. Speaking of more trades, the Minnesota Wild trade Devin Dubnik and 2022 seventh round pick to the Sharks for a 2022 fifth round pick. That, That's it? That had, well, it had to be a cap move again. But um, still, player and pick for a pick. Like, that's not good. Like, I don't care what the picks are. It's bad. 
Yeah. You never want to be that player who's in that situation. Dubnik had a up and down year this year when it came to quality starts, so it's not really a big shock that he was being moved, especially when we get down to the actual goalie signing stuff. I'll talk about it a little bit later. The Wild definitely had their eyes on somebody to sign already to replace him. So did you have any more trade stuff? No, but I do have a goalie signing from you guys if you want to go there. I really don't. Um... <laughs> well, but we have to. Yeah. So the Chicago Blackhawks agreed to terms with goalie Malcolm Subban on a two-year contract that runs through the 21-22 season, which is a $810,000 salary cap hit. Yeah, 1.7 mil is what his total contract is worth. So Per year, it's yeah. 850k. And I think he's getting overpaid, if I'm being completely frank. So the conversation that's going on right now within the organization and Chicago sports reporters is that Malcolm Subban's going to have an opportunity to play for the starting position. In fairness, he, as a goalie, when he gets multiple starts in a row, actually does become a more efficient goalie. He's one of those guys that gets into that rhythm and just performs, just like any starting goalie. But I don't think it should take multiple starts to get you warmed up. Right. I, again, I agree and, and or disagree with you in certain subject lines. Having related been to that. married to you for four years, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Going back to the subject, I think Malcolm Subban is... He's, he's grown on me a little bit after that Leonard trade. Like, he performed well enough to earn a little bit of respect in the short time that he was there before the season got canceled. And I think, honestly, he wouldn't be a bad starter. I just know that we have other goalies currently within the organization that probably have a better chance of getting that starting position, and we're paying them less, which is kind of weird. Well, but they would obviously renegotiate contracts after their starting season probably right so i don't i'm on the fence about it if he gets a starting role i think we got him for a really good price for a starting goalie like honestly and if he's not then wow we got a hell of a steal for our starting goalie in that instance i'll be honest though with the rest of the chicago world i think we were expecting the blackhawks to go out and get somebody whether it be markstrom uh we were linked to having conversations with hugh dobin here in dallas so it, it was a little disappointing that we didn't actually make a move and I think this was the one that really made me question what the heck Bowman was doing more so right. than anything. And I think, honestly, that's probably where the players are at, too. Like, that's where we needed the most depth support. Like, our defense needed a little bit of help, but we made trades that brought us better defensive players, and I think we were okay with that. Like, adding Zadaroff, I think, is a good addition. Like, he was a big-body defenseman, led the team in hits, you know, for the Avalanche last season as a defenseman, so... I don't think that's a bad thing you know I thought Bowman was doing okay with that and then this trade happened or this signing happened and nothing happened to signing another starting goalie so it was just like well I think if the goalie situation isn't fully fleshed out in the next week then your team has worries like actual problems at goalie yeah and Your offensive line, your defensive line can be great, but if your goalie's letting everything in, then it doesn't matter. You don't win anything. Yeah. So nervous for you. I'm honestly, what's crazy is I'm not nervous about anything on the offensive side. I'm not nervous about anything on the defensive side. Oh, you should be. Which, as a Blackhawks fan in recent years, I would say was the opposite. Like I always was like, well, Corey Crawford will be our staple. He'll hold us together. He'll stand on his head. But after last season, we obviously let Crawford go. He's one of the signings that we're going to talk about. And I just, I don't know. I'm really nervous about the goalie situation. And that's about it, which is weird and good. 
on two fronts, I guess. To be fair, you're not the only team with this concern. So, I mean, at least you're not alone in the boat of goalie worries. I am now, because most of these teams sign the goalies of their future. I mean, just because you've signed your goalie doesn't mean you're happy with your goalie necessarily. Well, there were a lot of names on the market that were available, and we didn't go after any of them. So that's, I think, what worries me the most. Right. Obviously, Matt Murray was an RFA in that trade, so it's technically a contract extension for him, for the Senators, but four years, 25 mil. You know, they're like, that's our guy. I guess. You know? I mean, he's not a bad goalie. He's just a not a Stanley Cup winning goalie anymore, despite the fact that he's won Stanley Cups. So I wouldn't say that. I think he's probably still got the opportunity as long as there's a good team around him. If there's not, then, you know, then he might struggle. Okay, that sounds like you're backhandedly saying something bad about my team. So let's move on to other goalies who have been signed. All right. The Oilers signed Mike Smith back to a contract after his one-year term with Calgary. So he went from Edmond to Calgary to Edmonton. (laughs) They signed him to a one-year, $2 million contract. It's That's good be, money for one year. Well, and for a guy that's more than likely going to be the backup in the organization. They have a young goalie who's performed very well at the end of the year last year. So it's kind of like, well, uh, you might be getting paid $2 million to sit on the bench, which really isn't too bad, I guess, in that instance. The Canucks went out and signed Braden Holtby to a two-year $8.6 million contract. It's going to be weird seeing Holtby not in a Caps jersey. Right. I have a couple of friends who are Caps fans, and when they heard the news that the Caps weren't going to go and sign him, they were all kind of like, well, it's good, but is it? (laughs) You know, like they're sad to see him go. So that's interesting to say the least. The Capitals responded by signing Henrik Lundqvist to a one-year $1.5 million contract, which Lundqvist was in a situation in the Rangers where they had three starting goalies. Someone had to go. Two of them much younger than him. Lundqvist performed well, but not Lundqvist well. So it was, whereas the other two guys were performing at their peak capabilities, so it was like, see you later. I think that's actually a really easy sign. If anything, you bring him in to be the backup to the other goalie that took over for Holpe most of this year and have him teach that guy how to be a Lundqvist, you know? All I'll say about the Holpe trade is if you're going to play the Canucks, just glove side and you're fine. Glove side and you're fine. The tip for the Pacific uh, Division. (laughs) I mean, if that guy's got a weak spot, that's it. Yeah. And then one of the guys that I was hoping, hope, hope, hoping, hoping, hoping my team went after after his performance with Vancouver this year, Jacob Markstrom, uh, signed to a six-year, $36 million contract with the Calgary Flames. And I didn't know they had that kind of money. Me neither. And that's why I was like, we had the cap space. We could have done something like this. Um, I don't know. That's a lot of years and a lot of money per year. Well, especially for a guy that's only played one season in the NHL, and a lot of people are saying there's a chance it could have been a fluke. I don't think it was. I think he played at the top of his game. He was thrown into some really crummy situations in the playoffs and really held Vancouver together, so I don't know. I don't think you'll know until his third season. Yeah, I would say at the end of the season, you'll probably know whether it was... Once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, third time's a pattern. Yeah. Obviously, speaking about the Stars goalie, Anton Hudobin... Got re-signed back here in Dallas to a three-year, $10 million contract. I watched an interview with him yesterday on the NHL Network. They asked him if he had any doubt in his mind that Dallas wouldn't re-sign him, and that's why he played the free agency market. And he goes, no, honestly, Dallas is home. 
He goes, I've really grown with this group of guys, and I'm hoping they give me an opportunity to compete against Ben Bishop for the starting role this year. And I'm like, they better. I wouldn't be surprised. I go, if they don't, that's jacked up. Because, yeah. like, Bishop's performance last year was really a roller coaster. There were times where he was very high up, and there were times the valleys got really, really low for the roller coaster ride that was, you know his play last year so uh, I don't know I'm excited to see Anton Hudobin get a chance you know I've always liked Hudobin I've followed him since he was playing with the Ducks in the AHL for that matter all the way back to the Boston days when he played against us the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup playoffs so I'm excited to see him do some nice things here in Dallas but remember how I was telling you that the Wild went out and got their guy they went out and got Cam Talbot okay uh, they signed him to a three-year, $11 million contract. I think that's a much better play than Dubnik was for sure. So I'm I'm excited to see what Talbot does in a new environment. I don't think he, in the latter years, really was given a fair chance in a lot of the cities that he played in, including Edmonton. So um, And then prior to that, Calgary. So it was just kind of like he played on teams where it was just like, yeah, you have offense and a goalie, but no defense when he was with the Oilers. And with Calgary, you had nothing, and it was just Cam Talbot. So it's just I'm hoping the Wild will build around him, which it seems like they're doing. So And the Wild were an exciting team at the end of the year. They didn't end up making the playoffs, but they didn't fall short by much. It was you know, a matter of two games. And I think if they would have had a better goalie in net a majority of the year, they might have had an actual chance. And the Flyers re-signed Brian Elliott to a one-year contract. Again, he's going to be the backup to Carter Hart. It's, right. you know, no argument. It's like, congratulations, you can sit on the bench for 60 70% of the season and collect $1.5 million. Sounds uh, nice. Yeah, right. And then the one that got me, and I think was the most irritating, was with Corey Crawford. We offered him a $3.5 million contract for one year's play. Okay. And What we, did he sign for? He signed for 3.9, so just a little bit more. What about the term? The term was two years, so he didn't get a long-term contract. However, they did waiver Schneider to move him his contract off to sign Corey Crawford. And honestly, like Schneider and Crawford, I put them about dead even. I wouldn't really say one is better than the other necessarily. What like, about the other goalies? There's really not another goalie situation in New Jersey right now. It, it was kind of one or the other when it came to these two so Crawford's not going to be a backup he's going to be a starter I guess that's really what he wanted out of the contract more than anything but based on his performance last year he didn't earn it in my mind you know like he played well during the playoffs but like he's always played well during the playoffs if he didn't it would have been a shock so I don't know I feel like his expectations were a little high I had a conversation with one of my hockey fans like in the store this year this week and I was like he was offered 3.5 million dollars to possibly be sitting on the bench I go, how would you like to make $3.5 million and play maybe 40%? Because, like, realistically, he's not going to be a 30% guy no matter what. He would have been probably, like, a 40-45%er this season. So, If that's the case, I don't understand why he was such a little whiny brat when it comes to how much ice time you could guarantee as the Chicago GM. And the Devils are, again, kind of like that Edmonton team that Cam Talbot was a part of where... They have a lot of offense, a mediocre, I would even say less than mediocre defense, and they just need a goalie to fill the pipes more or less, you know. I, I don't know. It just seemed weird. I haven't been a Crawford fan for a while, so I just think him being so arrogant and such a jerk to you guys is a slap in the face. Yeah, he came out and after 
he was signed by the Devils. He was interviewed asking what his opinions were about the situation and how it broke down in Chicago. And he goes, I was devastated. I'm like, dude, oh. you, you took $400,000 more a year to be a starting goalie for a team that's not going to win the Stanley Cup. Whereas Buy me the, a river of your stupid money. Like, wh- stop it. Whereas at least the Blackhawks would have gotten you to the playoffs more than likely. And you would have had a chance to possibly be the knight in shining armor through the playoffs again. But if you make it into the playoffs, don't you earn more money? Yes. Usually speaking, most players do have bonus structures like that. Right. How does that even up? Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like it was was for the term of two years, the little bit more money, and the fact that he's going to be the starter. It's just going to be weird seeing him wear a devil's jersey. Like, it seemed Uh, like this year... Yeah. There you go. It seems like this year was the year of, like, long-term goalies going to other organizations. It's kind of strange. But that's all the goalie signings I have. I don't know if you have any other weird ones that I missed, but... Nope. The last bit of NHL news I have was some retirements. Okay. One of your old favorite players, Matt Niskanen, announced that he was going to retire. I was so shocked when that was announced because it's like... Well, he still had two years on his contract. You're a child. Why are you retiring? Yeah, he still has two years left on his contract, which is, I think is what honestly shocked me the most. And then Justin Williams, we all kind of saw that coming with Carolina. He had that one good push where they could have almost won the Stanley Cup and then they fell flat on their faces in one of the playoff series leading up to that. So he retires after 19 seasons in the NHL. He does have a couple Stanley Cups under his belt with the Los Angeles Kings. So it's not like he's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer. He probably will be. It's just a matter of, you know, when. I don't know about that. He was the captain of the team for two Stanley Cups. It's pretty solid leveling of uh, history and then multiple-time all-star candidate. So Sure. But that's all the hockey stuff I have, shy of that one cool thing from the draft that I showed you last night about the Sharks player being drafted. Okay, so why don't you tell the podcast? So Sharks executive used uh, sign language to draft Ozzy Weisblatt with the 31st pick because his mother was deaf. And so he didn't speak the draft pick. He used sign language to draft him. And then he said it out loud afterwards so that it wasn't like just a pop-up on the screen and... You know, they had that delay, so she saw that first before the broadcast was like, he was picked. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was thoughtful. Yeah. That's one of the few things that I've seen them do for first pick for a team that I didn't want to roll my eyes at. Right. Yeah, it was definitely pretty neat that they did that. So, Um, But that's literally all the NHL news I have. Otherwise, we'd be here 80 hours and, you know, you guys don't want to be here for that. I don't want to be here for that. Right. And I like hockey, so. Yeah. So we'll move on to the NFL. I first want to discuss what happened in the Bears' win on Thursday because that was dumb. That was so dumb what happened at the end. So in my notes for the NFL, I just said Bears upset the Bucks uh, by Nick Foles' fourth quarter rally. Um, well, it's more like it wouldn't have happened if Tom Brady had understood what down they were going into and didn't think he was in the third down when they were in the fourth. I really don't think that would have made too much of a difference because they were under one minute left of play at that point. It was like, what, 43 seconds? Yeah, but so, I mean... It's, it's Tom Brady, I guess. You're right. He, there's a chance he could have thrown a touchdown. but Or maybe tried for a field goal. Their kicker was pretty good. Yeah. 
But yeah, that that error was just phenomenal. I, I obviously he had been harassing his O line all game, and then all of a sudden he messes up like that. I hope they gave him so much crap. He had every right to harass his O line based on their performance. But then you don't get to go and make a mistake like that. But the argument that I was gonna say about the O line was the fact that they let Tom Brady be hit and or contacted by defensive players or sacked. Listen, more times in this game than the rest of the season so far combined. I was pulling a fake shocked face. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that they're not supposed to let him get touched or hit or fall down and whatever. It's dumb. But that's the way that sport is played, I guess. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I understand being frustrated with other people and I get giving them crap because they're not doing a good job. But then you can't make this kind of mistake and not get some sort of flack for yeah. that. But you got to take into consideration as well, on behalf of his O-line, that the Bears defense has one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. We're not, like, number one, but we're still top five, you know? So, like, they're going to send people and hit the quarterback. That's just going to happen. Right. As well, too, coming into that game, we had given up the least amount of passing touchdowns in the NFL currently through the week. so Well, and I liked how at the beginning of the game they were saying he only needs four blah, blah, blahs in order to reach this milestone or whatever. Yeah. And it was about passing, and they could barely pass like five, ten yards at time. Yeah. He had some big plays, Tom Brady, that is, but they weren't coming as often as they usually did in his career, obviously. And the Bears defense definitely stifled him enough to cause problems. I mean, that was just a really messy football game. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm glad your team won, but that's, like, by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin. Yeah, dare we talk about all the penalties. It seemed like every time I turned around, there was a yellow flag on the field. So, like, it was the most penalized game this year so far in the NFL as well. So it was not a pretty game, to say the least, on both sides of the field. Like, so much so that after the fourth down play, the announcers made the joke when Tom Brady was, like, confused. They're like, oh, maybe he's looking for a penalty flag. Right. So, it was just, like, it was ugly, to say the least. It was not a pretty game. Um, the Bears defense played relatively well. I would say better than they have most of the year so far. And the offense came together at the right time and just kind of made everything click. Uh, and it seems like your team only turns it on in the fourth. Or in the first. It's one or the other. We either do really, really well at the very beginning and then suck, but we do so well it's fine. Or we just turn it on in the third and fourth quarter and all of a sudden it's just like we win the game. So the ongoing joke in my store with one of my Packers fans is maybe one day their luck will run dry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so far it's not come. So, But I really didn't write down a lot of NFL news this week. It was a lot of just score-based stuff more so than anything, so... Well, I have stuff for you. Perfect. I had this next thing, and then something scrolled into your phone and told me that I uh, will have to add an update at the end. <laughs> so, after consecutive days of negative COVID results, the New England Patriots and Tennessee Titans returned to practice on Saturday. Belichick? Belichick? said that Cam Newton and Stefan Gilmore, who previously tested positive, won't be at that practice. And he didn't want to speculate as to whether they'd be available to play in week five. But it doesn't matter because they're not going to play in week five. No one's playing in week five. Because it turns out you told me that there were positive test results now coming out of these teams. 
Yeah, so the Patriots game is getting delayed. It was originally going to be delayed till Monday, and now it is being pushed back till the upcoming week. So it's just, it's messy. This is why people do bubbles. Yeah. So you don't get this happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not the right time to be a football player, I guess. They're really running into a lot of predicaments with health issues and trying to avoid all this COVID mess, more or less. On the positive news, Jets activate Le'Veon Bell back from the IR after he recovered from his hamstring injury from week one. And then I have a nice screenshot of all the COVID statistics. So Before you do that, the Jets announced that all their players and personnel tested negative for COVID and that they will be playing the Cardinals as scheduled. That was the latest as of Saturday night. Still accurate so far. <laughs> Good. I swear this league is going to be the one that goes into the toilet thanks to COVID. But what are those statistics? So the NFL and NFL Players Association released their COVID-19 monitoring testing results for the last three weeks. <laughs> and they're not pretty, to say the least. Monitoring testing results for September 27th through October 3rd. They did 37,002 tests were administered to a total of 7,981 players and team personnel. 14,254 tests were administered to... 2,480 players, 22,748 tests were administered to 5,500 personnel. There were 11 confirmed positive tests among players and 15 new confirmed positive among other personnel. So they did 37,000 tests on the main players and personnel that are on the field. The other tests are for people within the organization and practice squads. Okay. So it's just boatloads of tests between September 27th and October 3rd. But the total test results overall from August 1st to October 3rd, there were 31 players and 53 other personnel that were confirmed positive cases. So they're just creeping those numbers up and up and up and up and up and up. It doesn't seem like the NFL is getting this under wraps. They are trying to contact Trace, but as quickly as they're doing that, more cases are popping up, and they're going to have to contact Trace on those people they just contact traced. Right, well... So it's, it's ugly. They needed a bubble. Like, again, some teams are following that bubble-style-esque system, but when they're at home, they're still allowing them to go home and do things. Um, That's so not a bubble. Correct. Right. Or if it's a bubble, it's one that's currently being popped. The NFL sent out a memo this week, and they announced that individuals who approach officials without face coverings are subject to penalty, and this is in the aftermath of the NFL Referees Association's complaint about coaches approaching refs without face coverings. So now, if the individual not wearing a face covering approaches them inappropriately, the refs have the authority to take administrative or officiating action. So this includes 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, as well as possible fines, suspensions, and forfeiture of draft picks. I thought that last one was a little weird. You can lose a draft pick if you talk to him without a face covering. I understand the, the penalty calls and the fines and things like that. I think that makes sense. But the draft picks is kind of a little out there. I guess it's like the maximum punishment for whatever I, they're doing. I think this is just for the people who are like, I don't care about getting a penalty. I don't care about if you take my money. It's for that kind of coach whose only concern would be that major draft pick loss. Yeah. I would imagine coaches care about giving up 15-yard penalties, though. But yeah, I, I mean, understand. Just coming from a perspective of a fan and somebody who has been very close with coaches in the past, not necessarily in the NFL, obviously, but like high school level sports, college level sports, they don't take penalties like that 
easily. Like when people get sportsmen like or unsportsmanlike conduct style penalties, I've seen coaches literally just lose their mind on the players. So, you know, would be weird to see them go and take penalties like that, I guess. But at the same time, the NFL's clearly been finding people and it's not working. So yep. something's got to change, I guess. For the Major League Baseball postseason, I was only able to find out who's playing whom next. And I didn't find any other news except for what could possibly happen. And here's the latest sports score or like weird thing that happened. Yeah. So it seems like starting today, the day we're recording, it's going to be the, do you call them conference finals? League finals? Whatever uh, it is. Yeah, the league championship series is. Yeah. Okay. So Tampa Bay Rays will play the Houston Astros. Asterix. That's what we'll call them because they cheated to win their last uh, World Series. But, but they're technically called the Astros. Well, I didn't sure. get that wrong. Yeah, you're okay. right. And the LA Dodgers will play the Atlanta Braves. Right. So, are they going into a bubble now, or what is happening now? Were they already in a bubble? I don't understand. So, during the divisional series, they were. So, the previous round, they were in bubble situations. Oh, okay. They had one series in Houston, one series here in Arlington, and then they had one series in LA and one series in San Diego. Okay. Um, but they were in bubble situations at that point. So. And now are they all still staying in their respective bubbles? They're moving to just two locations now instead of four separate locations. So but still in bubbles. California and Texas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. So the NLCS series will be being played here in Arlington, and I believe, and I'm not 100% sure on this, that the ALCS series is going to be in L.A. is what I've been, originally was rumored anyways. Okay. So, but it's not going to be LA playing in LA, right? LA no, is playing in here Texas. in Arlington. Okay, no. you said something about that in a previous episode. Yeah, they have the National League teams playing in American League stadiums and American League teams playing in National League stadiums. So that doesn't mean I know what team goes to which so league. That, that, yeah. <laughs> well, the Dodgers and the Braves are both National League teams. One out of the West, one out of the East. The Astros are a American League team. One out, of, they're out of the West, and then you have the Rays out of the East. Obviously, Tampa Bay. Yeah, so it's the West versus the East championship series is this year. Yeah, and then after that, are they all coming? The two final teams coming here to Texas? Yes. Okay, um, I'm not as clueless as I look. Yeah, tickets are on sale currently, I believe, for the NLCS games. Buy your ticket now and get a free pack of COVID. They're basically selling the tickets in groups of four. Every group of four will be more than six feet away. You cannot buy one, two, or three tickets. You have to buy four tickets, which I think is the good stipulation about it. The question you brought up last week about what about these secondary purchasing sites? I never looked my, into that, but is I'm my find major out right now. concern yeah. because okay, they can buy a four pack of seats, but then are they allowed to split it, or how does that happen? To answer your question, you absolutely can buy one, two, three, or four sets of tickets together. Um, Please don't do that. Just, if you buy the tickets, buy four and have, we'll like, your mom and dad go. and girlfriend go with you yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or a neighbor or somebody that you know is taking Who's already in your own personal bubble. Yes, Don't exactly. inflict yourself upon other people. Right. What's crazy is the tickets aren't that badly priced. They actually look about what they would normally be. Sir, no. <laughs> uh, if it was your team, I'd be like, fine, but then you and I have to sleep in separate rooms. For, for at for least 14 two days. two weeks, but... Yeah. It's not even your team, no. 
and uh, my GM was a diehard Yankees fan, and we were talking about if the the Yankees got through, but the Yankees didn't get through, so it's fine, I guess. So well, nobody if, I know has a horse in this race. If it had been your team playing his team, then you could have gone together. Yeah. With two other people. It wouldn't have been that ever. Well, maybe it would have just been in California. It wouldn't have been here because the American League teams would have had to have met out west. I don't know the differences between leagues. I thought you two could play each other because you're so far apart. I don't well, know. Well, we could have, but it would have been in California. It wouldn't have been here because they're both American League teams. The two league thing is stupid. Not really. And there's rules and history behind it. Like, obviously, you're used to single league teams, but technically the NFC and the AFC are two separate leagues in, under the NFL now. They were completely separated from one another. They were the NFL and the AFL before they merged together. So, anyways, there is still some more news. I basically covered the teams that were eliminated from the division series. We obviously lost the Yankees, the uh, Athletics, the zaddies as some people call them the padres because they're like the daddies the padre um that's stupid uh, yeah well wow is that or the slam diego padres as a lot of people are also calling them and then the miami florida marlins depending on how you want to call them whether you want to call them miami marlins or just florida marlins they've gone by both over the years it still hurts me to call the rays not the devil rays and i'll mention this every time until the end of it all but there's a reason i said what teams are playing you didn't didn't have have to to go there yeah but the devil rays had a dance party celebration after beating the yankees uh which i showed you the video of which was really funny I just think it's cute how all the guys who are in the circle are so hyped for everyone, even if it's a really dumb dance move that they did when they went into the middle. But one of the players did, like, the worm to perfection, and it was flawless. I can also flop around on the ground. That is not doing the worm. (laughs) But also, in their celebrations, um, there's been a little bit of trash talk, and that pun was 100% meant. In the celebration of moving on to the next round and finding out that they were playing the Astros, the team during their practice were banging trash cans and blasting music to take shots at the Astros because that's partially the ways that they were cheating. They would play certain songs for certain pitches or they'd make a lot of noise on uh, metal trash cans in the outfield for certain pitches as well. So it was a little petty, but pretty damn funny at the same time. So I guess we have to root for them. Yeah, a little bit. Just because we don't want cheaters in the World Series again. Albeit, obviously, a lot of these games in the playoffs have not been played in Houston Stadium for Houston. So their argument is like, we're winning games without cheating. It's like, yeah, but you still were cheaters. Like Right. Until there's a whole new administrative team and a whole new actual team. It's probably going to haunt them. It's just cheaters. Yeah. Forever. But also this week we lost a staple of the MLB, Edward Charles, uh, who goes by Whitey Ford. He had 16 years of play with the Yankees. He was part of the board of directors for the team for a long time after he stopped playing. And so pretty pretty crucial guy in the history of baseball, at least. But he was a six-time World Series champion and a 10-time All-Star. I had a struggle trying to pull his statistics because a lot of his pitching was before... A lot of the statistics that are used currently were tracked in the major leagues, so it's kind of hard to just be like, yeah, this is the thing that he did. But the Cy Young Award had barely existed. He never won any of those. But he was a staple of the Yankees pitching organization for a lot of years. So sad to see that loss go. The Yankees did a whole vigil for him and his family, paid for it all. So like it was pretty honorable by them to do all that stuff. So Right, yeah. But that's the only sad news I have today, so we'll keep it chipper otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. 
But that's all the MLB news I have. I don't know if you have anything else to wrap it up. I know you said you only had, like, the series breakdowns. So. That's literally all I have. Yeah. So, going into the NBA, they are in their finals. And currently, the LA Lakers are leading the Miami Heat by three games to two in the series so far. Game six is happening tonight, the day we're recording. 6.30 p.m. It could be over for the Heat, or as the Heat made note on their Twitter account, one win before the one win is what they put in. I mean, it all <laughs> depends. Yeah, I, I think it's always hard to win out the end of a series. So 100% agree with you. And Anthony Davis has aggravated a right heel contusion in the opening quarter of the game on Friday. He re-entered the game in the second quarter and said he'll be fine to play on Sunday, so who knows how that's going to shake out. His performance was lackluster afterwards, to say the least. He still scored a decent number of baskets. Yes. Goals. Things. Yes. To all <laughs> those things. That still works, all those <laughs> okay. things. Okay. Goals, they, they call them field goals, so yeah, which is weird. Why is it a field goal? It doesn't go between the uprights. I know, What's but happening? that's what they call it. Those are all terminology that you could have used and you nailed it. Congratulations. <laughs> Sports are stupid. Yeah. But he still, he still got a decent number of the ball through the net. Yeah, ball through the net. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's starting to be an ugly series. So the Lakers obviously jumped out to a two-game series lead. We knew that last week when we were talking about it. Game three went to the Heat. That was being played the night that we were recording last week as well. Yeah. They won 115 to 104. The Lakers won game four, 102 to 96. The Heat won, obviously, the last game, game five, making it 3-2 in the series, 111 to 108. The Lakers argued that were some controversial penalty calls that were missed at the end of the game. Don't but cry always. yourself a river. Like, you got outplayed, let's call it 80% of the game. And the fact that you only lost by three, it's your fault. You had opportunities. One thing all losing teams have in common is that they say there were bad penalties. Yeah. So whether it's true or not, it's a thing they say. But staying on the subject of the Lakers, LeBron James appeared on his first Wheaties box. Oh, man. You know, he's made it. The cool thing is um, the sales from the Wheaties boxes with LeBron James's faces on it is going to one of his charities that help uh, inner city youth with sports and education programs. Right. So that's not something normally Wheaties does. They normally will just put somebody on the cover, and I don't know how LeBron managed to persuade him to do that, but it's almost worth going out to buy a box of Wheaties and never eating them because Wheaties are garbage. And I think if you soak them for like half an hour, they're good. <laughs> no. <laughs> then they're just soggy Wheaties, which is so much worse. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of neat that they, they that partnership came together, I think. Right, yeah. yeah. And the last bit of NBA news I have, but I do have some WNBA news, which is weird, but I have some. Okay. Um, the NBA news, Kristaps Porzingis undergoes knee surgery uh, for a lateral meniscus injury in his right knee that he took during the playoffs itself. In game one of their opening round against the LA Clippers, yeah. Yeah, so he has an unknown recovery time. They they didn't really give him a window. So. I mean, it's knees. It's it kind could of recover important. quickly. It could take time. Yeah. It's kind of important. You don't want to rush something like that. Right. Uh, but he had that surgery on Friday. Supposedly the surgery went well per the doctors and the organization. So now it's on to recovery. Yeah. Let him lay up in bed for a few days, watch a lot of Netflix. Right. Netflix and chill your knee. Yep. WNBA news, it's the first sweep of the NBA finals, or WNBA finals for a number of years. Okay. The Seattle Storm swept the Las Vegas Aces 
I know you're rooting for the Aces and the, the Nuggies. Those were your two teams in the playoffs this year. But the Storm pretty much handled their business. Um, they won 93-80 to in Game 1. 104 to 91 in game two, which was last Sunday. And then in game three, because they do best of five, not seven like the NBA. Okay. They won 92 to 59. They just shut them down. Wow. Um, Some actual defense in basketball. Yeah, if you want defense, watch the WNBA because it's not in the NBA, it seems. Right. I've not heard a score that low in a really long time, but I also don't do a lot of basketball anyway college basketball is about the last time i've ever heard a score like that low so yeah yeah. kudos to the seattle storm being the first team in a number of years to sweep in the WNBA title so yeah yeah but that's all the nba news i really have this week was international break for most of the major leagues of soccer in the world shy of maybe the mls which we don't consider a major league I couldn't find any MLS news this week just because it seemed like it was all about someone scored and this person won the game for them and blah, blah, blah. There was a blowout game. A team won like 9-2 to two or 9-0 to zero or something, which is ridiculous, but that's about it. It's just weird to me. So like in the MLS, the players that report for international duty leave the regular season <laughs> during the MLS. And the MLS is like, nah, we don't need to pause. We just got a bunch of people nobody cares about normally anyways. So like... It's just I mean, weird. Being like a sub tier of soccer means that you can just keep rolling no matter what happens, even if you lose however many players. I guess. It's definitely weird. For international soccer, I only have one thing of news. Okay. And Manchester United's Marcus Rashford has been awarded an MBE, which is a member of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth II for his work in helping children receive school meals during the pandemic. This is an honor Britain gives its citizens for making a positive impact in their line of work, I guess. It's only four steps behind being knighted as well, which is absolutely insane. So if he does this four years in a row, he gets knighted. I don't know that it's the way it works, (laughs) but um, what's cool about it is it was about 80% of his own money. It wasn't like he was doing a fundraiser to do this. He was paying for it out of his own pocket. Well, and it's because apparently he grew up pretty poor. poor. And so school lunches were one of the ways that he managed to get like enough food to eat. Yeah, for that matter, a lot of young players through Europe and the African market of soccer stars, like they, a lot of them are very connected with charities and things like that because they realize like, I literally came from a mud hut or I came from a slum or, you know, like those types of situations because soccer is really, let's be honest, a very affordable sport to get into as a child. You need a ball and something to set up fake nets. You don't even need like an actual net. You could literally just put up two backpacks or like some binders or whatever you have at home. Like I've seen people in Takati play with old dinner plates as their goals literally sitting on the ground. So it's like... It's not crazy to be shocked that a lot of these guys are very connected with the societies around them, uh, the cities and the people around them too, so. Right, yeah. I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, definitely really neat. Nations Cup happened this week. I think that's a farce of a extension of soccer. But you've already talked about that before. Yes, and we won't go down that tunnel. Um, but we did have Euro qualifiers this week. It was mostly teams just trying to get into the last spots for the actual euro was supposed to be 2020 now euro 2021 tournament for next year there were some pretty low level teams like luxembourg and northern ireland that were trying to make those final qualifications but 
it was what it was. You weren't really expecting like high scoring games by any means in any of those tournaments. I could go in depth on those, but again, that would take up a lot of time. It, there were a lot of games, so nothing to be wild about necessarily over European break, I yeah. guess. But I think that's all the sports news I have. I don't know if you have anything left. That's all we got. Okie doke. Well, take a look at our social media. I'm trying to be more active, guys. I really, really am. Between my job and reading and writing notes and recording, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have all of our social media linked down below between Twitter, way too many Instagrams, my blog, and Goodreads. There's a lot to check out, so make sure you take the time to do that. And we'll catch you next time, guys, for the book podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.